0: Oh, hello everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas. What a great blessing it is, again, to be able to come together. Uh, This program is being presented on Wednesday. Uh, Some of you are listening to it today. Some of you are listening to it at other times. But the point is, is that we get to study the Word of God together. I love to study the word. I know that a lot of people, Christians, will read the scripture just looking for promises or for something that they can use as a, what's the best word I can say, as currency to get answered prayer. I guess I saw a lot of that when I was growing up in the church that was that was something that um, was regularly a part of our our flow pattern I'm not criticizing anybody I'm just saying that was the mindset some people would study the word just to tell everybody else what they should do especially those who were nitpicky they would always tell why this person shouldn't be doing this because the scripture says this I just I just never really had much patience for any of that because I think that the word of God very clearly says that it is alive it's our bread and um, it's our commune with the Father and there's so much in the Word that keeps speaking to us the Word is our friend it is our comfort it is our instructor it is the framework wherein the Spirit of Truth guides us and so I love the word because it's a constant source of revelation. You know, I I think that it's a point of humility for us who have made it our business to study the scriptures throughout our years. To be before the Lord and say please show us something new in Your Word that we've never seen in You before. God loves to do that. He guides us into truth. And the moment we become simply podiums or we use the Word to entertain people, we've lost the reality of what the Word really is. And so, we've, over the years as saints, studied lots of things in the scripture. We, we've seen incredible measures of instruction that God has opened up for us uh, that are well beyond what the simple foundation, as wonderful as the foundation is. Um, And that's the way it should be. Growing in grace is not a stagnation of um, what has happened in our understandings in the past. Grace has to keep moving forward. And God's word, God's spirit guides us into truth. And if you're going to be guided into things that have not been seen, it better be in the word. So, Today we're going to study the Word and we're going to look at a topic that I hinted at over the past few days and um, I think that it's something that we should reason together concerning. And it has to do with this king known as Uzziah. Now this past Sunday we talked about Joash and we talked about Jehoiada the priest and we talked about the the prophet Jehoiada's son Zecharias, who Jesus referenced in Luke 11. We talk about how Zecharias was murdered uh, in the the habitation of God's temple, and um, it's just a terrible story. And then finally, uh, finally. some of the servants of of Joash recognized that he was leading the nation into debauchery and, and they killed him they assassinated him so then his son Amaziah takes over and this guy began by seeking out those who had assassinated his father and killing them and much was said about how noble he was for not killing their families, and according to Moses' law. Yeah, that's great. I mean, be a killer, just don't kill more than you're supposed to. I understand that. But this Amaziah was kind of a... He began okay. Um, He... Uh, he had some military victory which made the people rejoice but then he just kind of went wheels off he got big-headed and he picked a fight with one of jehu's um, grandkids in the north and the northern kingdom came down and put a whooping on him and that was really the the downfall of amaziah's reign and it really is sad. And finally um this uh, this whole story of how Judah was just floundering. The southern kingdom was floundering. That that whole story just can seemed to continue. You had a brief flicker of time when Joash was um um resurrecting a point of prominence under Jehoiada but it it just really turned out to be a, a, an incredibly terrible thing just just disappointing you, you talk about Jerusalem you're talking about the kingdom of David the southern kingdom uh, the temple was there it, it just It's just a terrible, terrible story. So, you know, Amaziah, you know, you think about it. He was surrounded by assassination. I mean, Joash was assassinated. Athaliah, who was a queen, wrongfully was assassinated. Her husband was assassinated. So the, the three last people who lived and reigned on the throne of, of uh, Judah were all assassinated. And then here's this guy Amaziah, and he just kind of... <sighs> but there's good news. Amaziah then gave way to Uzziah. And this is the guy we really want to talk about here and see some things that I think are helpful for us to see today. There are a lot of parallels between what we're doing and, and um, what God's doing in his church, what God's doing in the world in this story. So, Second Chronicles chapter 26. Then, verse 1, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah who was 16 years old and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. <coughs> now, there was kind of an overlap, and this was not uncommon. Um, you know, one king's son then comes in and they kind of are co-rulers for a while. It, it's not uncommon in the history of the people of God. And that, that That happened, and you can find many examples of that so this was not this was not a, a bad thing but if you're, if you're taking a young boy at 16 and the people making him king that kind of shows you that they had lost any and all confidence in, in Amaziah. Okay so let's, let's look at this the, the given name of Uzziah according to Kings is Azariah and that that word means that God will help and Azar means that you manage your resources well if one area is weak another comes alongside and helps and it, it really does speak about organization and structure under the divine guidance and um, this boy was named that when he was born and I, I'm sure that there was some divine uh, direction in that. Um, it's interesting that the basically the high priest that would later confront Uzziah was named this same thing, Azariah and really during the reign of Uzziah, it was a highly structured kingdom and it had great success. Uh, I won't say because of that organizational structure, but that organizational structure really took full advantage of the success that God was giving. So at some point, uh, Uzziah is what they called um, this king, Azariah, and maybe, maybe it it happened when they took him and made him king. Um, and Uzziah means to really be efficacious, to be aggressive. It, it the root of the word it talks about is used in. Um, in the study of falconry, where you can make a quick strike, you can do things decisively and strategically. <clears throat> and maybe this young man was displaying those characteristics at a young age. And, um, you know, it, it, some of the history is, is debatable because his father, Amaziah, was actually imprisoned by the northern kingdom. And then, you know, there were limitations put on him. So maybe the people said, all right, it's time for us to get somebody that's going to be a delight in the kingdom. I don't know that. We we can't, we can speculate. But the point is, is that they both ruled at roughly the same time. But at 16, this kid had it going on. Um, the Bible says, and you can read all this. Where is it, Pastor? Well, you can read it. Just read the whole twenty-sixth chapter. You're not going to find a whole lot of Second Chronicles. You're not going to find a whole lot in the writing to the kings, in 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 First second, in second Kings. You're not not going to find a whole lot there. This is where the the treasure, the the mother load of insight on Uzziah comes. Now, when Uzziah first started, there was a prophet we don't know very much about, and his name was Zechariah. Not the guy that was killed two regimes ago. This guy may have been named after him, but he, the Bible says, he had great capacity, Um. in verse 5, it says, to understand the visions of God. The visions of God. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? He uh he could he knew this pre this prophet knew Elohim. And as long as as those two were working together, God brought prosperity. Isn't that something? So <coughs> excuse me, the prophetic gift was really honored. So you had the king and then you had this guy Zecharias, who was really, this is the only thing we know about him, right here. What I just read, and when you study and you check out on the internet, even on the Elijah list, I would imagine, you won't find. You may find some cockeyed views, but there's nothing we know other than what it says. He knew Elohim, he understood visions. He was like a seer, obviously. And um, he would give counsel to Uzziah and things to do, and they they worked together. And God really formed an amazing alliance there, and it also set the stage for the prophetic giftings. You know, we know that Isaiah obviously was devoted to Uzziah. We we know that uh, Amos, another writer. In the Old Testament prophet who said some great things you know he talks about um, you know God won't do anything unless he reveals to his friends the prophets that's that's Amos Um, it talks about the tabernacle of David being raised up in the time of the end and you know it's it's really great so you had a propensity for the prophetic with this king now, it says that uh, Uzziah ruled for 52 years, so that when he finally died, he was 68. Um, the, um, most scholars, again, we don't have an official obituary, think that when he had leprosy, it probably happened seven to ten years before he died. So that would mean if that's, let's say just say 10 years. So that would bump it back to, he was 58, just stick with me here. So that means for 42 years, he reigned, um, he, he reigned, give or take a couple of years before the issue with the burning of incense. And during that time, he was an amazing, highly structured king, he, he started organizing. Uh, the Bible says that he was inventive. He, he developed the land, the surrounding lands. He, he developed the desert places. He, he definitely um, improvised the, the, the defenses of Jerusalem and I don't know whether what he did, but it was a witty kind, it was a creative kind of thing, whether there were trebuchets that would throw big stones off the walls, but he invented something like that, and shooting arrows and different defensive measures that could uh, really protect the city. He was known throughout the world. He he loved husbandry, so he developed the the agrarian capacities. He had a lot of cattle, the Bible says um and he he built an army of look at this he went, he, he would go out to war it was highly structured verse 11 he had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands no it, they they were really structured uh and he had these two guys Jill and Messiah who they were both scribes, ruler there means somebody that could really be like an accountant of everything that went on. They had this done like a a well-oiled machine. He had 2,600 mighty men, 2,600 mighty men. David had 30 when he was in the cave. This guy, two thousand six hundred, and he had an army of over three hundred thousand men. Now let's look at this in 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 reality. And I, I don't have the latest today um, s- schematic of this, but the United States military supposedly has like one point two to one point four million. Um, The regular army is close to 400,000 again. Don't nitpick with me here. The National Guard is like 350,000. So in this little nation, this guy had an army that was roughly a third of the size of all of our combined military. Even later on during the days of Hezekiah, when uh, Rabshakeh came down and they had 180,000 soldiers that came to attack and to destroy Jerusalem. It was their intent and God killed all those guys. During Uzziah's day, he had twice that many. They would never have come to attack him. That they, It just never would have happened. So this was a very structured, very prosperous Even down into Egypt, they recognized and honored him. Other nations were sending him gifts, uh, you know, just really trying to gain his favor. But he uh, he was very innovative, and his kingdom was built on the prophetic, which is probably why Isaiah seemed to regard him so highly. I mean, let's look at it, you know, we often say, okay, here's Isaiah, he ministered during the reign of five kings, um, beginning here, uh, you know, you also add in Amos, who was a biblical author of a Bible book who said some powerful things, and you had, you had this Zecharias, we don't know how long he lived, he just disappears off the scene and god was prospering and blessing this this king but for let's say for 40 years at least at least he was he was really a dominant force and um that's something that we we can't we can't overlook So, we come then to this really amazing story at uh, verse 16. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He transgressed against the Lord, his God. In other words, he transgressed, he went beyond what he should have done Uh, against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, the, the other guy in the kingdom who was named the same as Uzziah, went in after him with 80 priests that were valiant men and they withstood Uzziah. We're going to look at this bit by bit. It's interesting that you had a king who was undoubtedly strong, and you had a lot of prophets. I mean, you're you're talking whoever this Zecharias was, and Isaiah and Amos. I think that the prophetic was very strong, wouldn't you say? And these were not just run-of-the-mill prophets. Isaiah would speak into the end times. He would speak about Jesus. I mean, the coming of the Lord. Amos talked about the end times and the tabernacle of David and uh, the, the, how God deals with his prophets and doesn't do anything unless you. He... So it was obvious that two-thirds of the structure of what God wanted and governmentally were very strong kings and prophets, priests. Now, these guys were obviously organized. I mean, uh, you think about it. This king, and we'll talk about this in a minute, goes in to offer incense, and lickety-split, this Azariah is able to get 80, 80, not just bumpkins that are, that are cleaning the toilets. And it, you know, we hire people to clean the toilets here, so I can call them bumpkins. I used to have to clean toilets when I was a little boy. We'd go every Saturday night, we'd clean the church for years. So I, I'm not disparaging anybody there. So don't get the weepy eye on it. But these are mighty valiant men, 80 of them. I mean, it, how did that happen? This was a well-structured thing but obviously Uzziah must not have had that great of a relationship with the priests. Prophets? Yes. The king and his army? Yes. The prosperity in the land? Of course. priests so I would think that the first thing you have to recognize as to maybe the rationale of why Uzziah went in was because he probably looked at the priests and thought you know what I don't really know what whole, what these guys are doing I, I they're not I, maybe I can fine tune them Maybe I, can, um, maybe I can do some things to up their game a little bit. You notice that um, what Azariah says is that um, if you do this, you're not going... In verse 18, you have crossed the line trespassed you've crossed the line of God's structure and that that's true and you're not going to gain any honor there is the word for glory you're not going to gain any enhanced mandate from God because on the other side of this uh, altar of incense was where the the Ark of the Covenant was which is where the mercy seat was. And I think that Uzziah probably thought, we've got everything else going on right um, in, in really good fashion. Uh, the one aspect of this tri trifold system of government that I don't really, I'm not gaining uh, any blessing from is this priestly office. And and really, if you the, you know, the temple was supposed to be for the going forward. Remember when Solomon dedicated to establish tabernacles, and I would imagine that Uzziah was probably thinking. I'm not putting words in his head, but I'm thinking. According to what the scripture says, according to what Moses did, according to what David did, we're supposed to be as we're expanding we're supposed to be establishing tabernacles. I have no control over this now. I have no way of of dealing with this. And he probably thought about how Moses was the leader, the original tabernacle, and he would go in. I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm just thinking here. Incense, it indicates the place where we offer our prayers and we come into alignment with the burden of the Lord, we know that. There's an altar of incense in heaven right now, separating the Temple of the Tabernacle of Testimonies from the um, the throne of God. Uh, our, the prayers of the saints is the incense there. So, it's imperative to recognize that there were probably other factors here than him just getting headstrong, but the problem was that he did trespass. He he did obviously did not consult with his prophets. He didn't have a meeting with this Azariah and say, "Look, we've got to we've got to come together here because there's more from this temple that God wants to activate." I'm not justifying his actions. I'm just trying to understand what really went on here. And um. So they all come in and says, you you know, you've crossed the line, you're not going to gain any further measure of the glory of God by doing this. So get out of here. Well, here's a guy that's reigned for decades. He is probably the most popular leader in the known world at that time. Uh, He's got an army of 300,000 men. He's, He's revolutionize the prosperity of the, the the people of God and here are these guys coming in to tell him get the heck out of here we don't want you here And immediately he was wroth now again he's probably prideful but I think that sometimes you know we've talked about how iniquity is the twisting of purpose we've talked about how pride is really an accentuation of your strengths, um, that meekness is controlled strengths. Um, I think maybe his his core thought process was good, but he just did not humble himself, um, and he went in. Now, you know, the Bible's this business of burning incense. Um, we know Aaron's sons got in trouble with strange fire, but we also know that Solomon offered incense three times a year on the altar that he made for the Lord God. I'm not saying that it was this altar, but Solomon was burning incense. Solomon was also burning incense to demons. Read that sometime, and so did a lot of these other kings. Um, there, there was the issue of incense. and Now, Aaron and in his priesthood, they were to offer incense in the morning and in the evening. In the morning, in the evening, they they would they would offer that once a year. The this altar of incense was sanctified by blood. We know that. We know that in the New Testament. Another guy named Zacharias, which is quite interesting, he's offering incense at the time of the evening oblation, and Gabriel shows up to talk about John the Baptist coming. Isn't that something? And then you think, did you ever think of this one? Um, And we're, we're going to come back to this. But what happened in Isaiah 6... When Isaiah says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord," what what happened there? All those things, but the place was filled with smoke. Obviously, now it doesn't say incense, because God's God's smoke is usually indicative of the presence of the of the of the fire of the Lord. It's just the way that that radiance uh, impacts the natural realm and the smoke arises, It's it's just what happens. But I just think it's interesting that Uzziah had his downfall in this place with incense and then when he dies, Isaiah is there and the place is filled with smoke. I just think that's interesting. So we come back to this. As soon as uh, as, uh, Azariah comes in and Uzziah gets ticked off that these guys are speaking to him this way uh, and he got mad and let's turn the Holy Writ. Then leprosy rose up on his forehead and all the priests look upon him And they thrust him out from thence. What he was doing in thence, I don't know. But they thrust him out of it. I'm joking about that. I know what thence means. He hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And he goes off into some kingly resort place. And he withers out his days while Jotham, his son at twenty five takes over and manages the kingdom well he's managing the kingdom the people are distraught here's their great leader he's gone and things start just going downhill now we've studied about Ahaz who then comes and he won't he won't uh, ask God for something Isaiah's basically offering him the privilege of partnering with a prophet, just like his grandfather had done. And we've studied that, and we know that that was rejected in the prophecy of Emmanuel. But I remember when we first came back from that climactic visit to Pensacola, Florida in 1996, a few of you were here on that Sunday morning. I remember working with Rachel, uh, I won't say her last name, but Dan's wife, Dan and Rachel, we love them. And we put up a red and a green banner up uh, draped up over the wall where the baptistry was. And God gave a message about leprosy in the church and um, how that what he was wanting to do was to cleanse the ch- not just our church but to cleanse the church in general from a leprous state and I remember speaking about that about what the scripture says you're supposed to do in the cleansing and we prayed and we we this was the first day back from Brownsville and we tore those the green and the red banners down which symbolized leprosy in the scripture and I, I just had to remember this because you know the modern church really displays what Uzziah was i mean there are so many mega churches in my city mammoth churches and i bless them i'm not here to denigrate them but their their organizational structure is slick as snot i mean they they're militaristic they they have the political framework they They know how things are supposed to happen, when they're supposed to happen. They have no limit to who they can bring in. They have money. They have foundations of funds. And I'm grateful that they're blessed. I, I really am. But prayer is usually about getting something from God. How to Pray better, so that you can get what you want. Um, I told the story of going, and I was a guest there, so I'm not criticizing them. I went to one of the uh, one of my granddaughter's uh, musical productions at a well-regarded old church here in Dallas, has more money than Job, and I looked at some of the materials, really impressive um, materials on the wall. And one of them was about their prayer ministry. So I got it, and I was looking through it. I thought, well, you know, I'm glad they've got a prayer ministry. And then I was looking through it, and it had all these departments of prayer. How do you get over grief? How do you get a spouse? How do you get a better job? How do you get along better with your family? How do you, uh, and then they even had these thrown in just to placate some of the firebrands. How do you deal with um, the disparities in our uh, history of our nation that persecuted the indigenous people or people that were enslaved? Or uh, This was their prayer manual. And I looked it over two or three times and I even thought, is there anything in here, not, not being critical, just looking. If, if I was a seeker and I came into that place and I thought, I really want to know more of God. And I was looking through that book about prayer. Ah, here, here is what I need. How can I come and just spend time with God? It wasn't anywhere in that book. The idea of prayer was, how can we, how can we placate the people? How can we, and and, and to me, um, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He adds to you what you need. If you come to know God, He'll work out things for you. If you seek Him, just for Him, all kinds of things will happen to you that are the favor of the Father who pours out good gifts on His children. And then even if you, if you stay in that framework, which is what we've seen in the scriptures, there are various delineations of the types of prayer that are in the Bible. And the, the the different measures of authority that God grants in prayer, and what you have to do, to um, to participate at the invitation of God through promotion. And that's all there. That's part of the, the, what are the prayers of the saints, being incense. That that's you going before the Lord to embrace his burden, what he's doing, and that rises to the nostrils of God, and the elders in heaven have this. So, I see with Uzziah here, and I I have to give him some credit, though, because he obviously was thick with prophets, not false prophets, really on-target prophets, if you, if you were to say, okay, we're going to surround you with three prophets. One is somebody who knows Elohim that is gifted in vision from Elohim. And then we're going to give you a guy named Isaiah who is one of the most prolific men of God that will ever walk the earth. And we're going to give you another guy that we don't know a whole much about, but his name is Amos. And he sees, he sees through a very strong lens into the nations around Judah and even into the future of how God move, moves with people and what's going to happen in the end days. We'll surround you with that. I think that having a prophetic team like that, plus others, whoo! that's amazing now why why didn't Uzziah go to his prophets and say hey look we're two-thirds of prophet priest and king Um, how can we go before God and incorporate what he originally intended for that ark and for the sending forth of tabernacles you know I don't want to just go like Solomon did and start being the envy of the world uh, being rich beyond means you know Solomon had wisdom well I have creativity Uh, it's a hair's breadth between the two of them but I'm not putting words in Isaiah's mouth here but I I would imagine that there's more to this incense business than, and where it's placed and what we know about it from other kings uh, in the Old Testament and what we know about it from what's going on in heaven. I would have to think that a creative guy who who looks at things and wants to, to make them better who wants the kingdom to be everything it's supposed to be there had to be some further motive but the priest rightfully said look you've just barged in here and you've you've trespassed you've gone outside of the kings and the prophets into the priestly thing and you're you're doing it wrong you're not doing it right and maybe the, there was probably a better way to do it well there obviously was but i i, I don't think he just thought hey you know what i I have, a, I have a hankering to burn me some incense. Let, let me Give me a censer. Let me go in there. I think there was more to it. And in this priest says, you know, you've trespassed, and I know you want to participate in the glory. It uses that word. Honor is the kabod derivatives. But it's not going to happen this way. So the priests obviously recognized that he wanted, it wasn't notoriety, he had that. It wasn't applause, he had that. It wasn't prosperity, he had that. It was about the glory. And so, I, as we're going into the world to establish tabernacles, which then hopefully will be um. Become Manuka places. Um, you know, our seminar in March is about his rest, entering into his rest, what the Sabbat and what the what the Panao was really supposed to be. I think we need to take a really good look here at Uzziah. Now I'm again I'm not damning the general church, but um, Leprosy in the church, I mean, you just go back this way that God touched us, that then was uh, a something that his spirit was also releasing to other churches in this country who are, who are now family with us. The first message, the first message that we brought back was not about laying on your face, was not about diverse tongues, didn't even recognize we're speaking in diverse tongues at that point, even though we were. Um, We didn't talk about prayer necessarily. It was about leprosy in the church. Who does that? Now, if I was more... Slick, I could have said, man, we got fire in our bones. We're just going to impart it to everybody. Let's just line everybody up and lay hands on them. Well, we did do that regularly. But the first message God gave in this pneumatic house was this leprosy business. And here is where leprosy hit. When did Miriam get whacked with leprosy? When she, she was a prophet Her brother was a priest, and Moses was serving basically as, he wasn't the king, but he kind of was, wouldn't you say? And Miriam found fault out of the prophetic office, and God smote her with leprosy. Remember that? So this, this thing of having all three, and aren't we supposed to be prophets, priests, and kings? seems I read that somewhere before. So all three of the offices should be functioning in and out of who we are, but they should certainly be respected. Now, priests should not just be icons of Levitical law. You, you should have teaching priests. You know, the Bible says that in the Old Testament. Priests should be kind of like a pneumatikos um, what Paul said to the Corinthians when I come in if you have prophets or spiritual ones let them judge what I'm saying Paul represented the apostolic obviously an apostolic teacher which to me would be kind of like the king if you have any prophets or if you have spiritual pneumatikos ones see if this isn't right The priests were supposed to be regulating what God wanted and representing him in the business of prayer and making sure that things were happening the way they should. And this balance kept everybody functioning right. Um, So this whole thing with Uzziah is sad, really, and again, we don't have specific dates. I'm sorry for that. Um, they say that from the time he was smitten, and I looked at four or five different, five different sources, and they were all speculating And anywhere, the consensus was between seven and ten years after he contracted leprosy, he died. By that time, there was mourning. Um... Isaiah was distraught. We don't have a whole lot about what Amos said. Zecharias was obviously gone. You don't see anything more about him. And I wonder if that didn't hurt Uzziah to some degree. Because he obviously relied upon this guy. But you don't live forever on earth. I mean, you just don't. Um, But he goes off and obviously his army dwindles down um his inventiveness probably was in place for a few years but without him as the driving force those 2,700 mighty men probably started having bickering as who was going to be the lead now i don't know you know the way people are that hasn't changed but by the time Jotham managed things and then Ahaz was bitter um, and was making uh, assignments and uh, alliances with other nations that Uzziah had trembling in fear, Uh, you know, it's just a shame, you see, over and over again, God trying to bless. And it's said that Uzziah's reign... Was compared with Solomon's um, and and David. Those three were the main the main kings who really impacted the world. He's gone. Uzziah's taken out. What would have happened if Uzziah had gone before the Lord and repented and asked for um, healing? You know, the priests had to show that. Maybe, maybe because they had this conflict, Uzziah wouldn't bring himself to to go before God and um, repent. Maybe that kind would have been something that God used then to open up the Holy of Holies and what that ark was really supposed to be when that temple had been dedicated. I don't know. We'll never know. But why is this important for us today? Well, for one thing, we serve the same God Isaiah prophesied into our day. Amos prophesied into our day. We've been given as saints the agenda from God to take this tabernacle of David, which Amos prophesied into, into the world. And um, we're, we're teaching about the principles of the New Covenant principles of these things. We're teaching about prayer. We're teaching about the prophetic. We're teaching about apostolic and authority. Uh, We're demonstrating it, hopefully. And I guess maybe the one lesson is that we've got to make sure that we, you know, I said earlier, would the pneumatikos be uh, aligned with The priest, well, we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. After the order of Melchizedek, which really was an order of righteousness that would go to the places around the world and uh, see and vision righteousness and establish dwelling places for God, at God's direction. So we are functioning in that, but we have to do it in accordance with what, what God says. Um, if, if you come to the point where you say, you know, this prayer business and waiting on God, I mean, it's, it's not enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not promoting myself well enough. And so I've got to take matters into my own hands. You know, this structure God's put me in, I don't really like it. I think I can do it just as well outside of God's structure and say I'm in God's structure. Have you heard anything like that over the past few years? Of course. Have you seen people in the progressive church? Have you seen things that have gone on um, in government that are trying to pervert and twist God's ways? Yeah. of course we have and the most important thing for us is not just to be able to point it out to everybody else hey look what they're doing look what they didn't do that's easy are we doing what we're supposed to do we're at the precipice of an amazing year I'm not going to compare it to any other years because we've had different measures of stepping forward with God that are priceless that's like saying in your own family you know what was the what was the thing that brought greater delight to you when your daughter was born or when she took her first steps or when she first did this or when she first did that or when she got married or when she had children to your grandchildren what's the best Oh, this is much better than that no it's not No it's not. We just are such temporal people that whatever's happening now, what the church of what's happening now, this is better than anything. No it's not. When you're walking with God, every step is precious to Him. You know, my oldest daughter sends these pictures from years gone by that pop up and I see things with my granddaughters, particularly. And we've got lots of pictures of when the daughters were young, too. We've put them up on Legacy Box so they can access them online and watch the videos and stuff. I don't really like looking at that because I wonder who that guy is in there. It was me, but it <laughs> I don't know who he was. Anyway, um, but I look and I think, oh, man, look. I'm proud of, just for instance, my granddaughters, I'm I'm grateful as a grandfather for what they're doing and the things, the way God's using them is just wonderful. But then I see pictures of when they were little and one of them would sit on each of my legs whenever we'd go out to eat or we'd go someplace. And that was just, that was their high chair. And they would play with their food and keep me from eating, which didn't seem to hurt me much or they'd feed me and I'd think that's really great What's well this is much better than that no it's not so we got to be really careful when we say this is going to be the greatest year we've known hey we've had some wonderful things in the Lord and we continue to move in them but what's ahead this year is going to touch continents in ways beyond anything we've known for the kingdom of God we're teaching prophet, priest, and king. The downfall of Uzziah was his failure to bring two-thirds that were prospering into a developmental alignment with the other third. I'm not just suggesting that these priests were not doing what they were supposed to do. I'm not suggesting that at all. They were obviously very organized. And they what they said was right. But you can be right and wrong at the same time. Obviously, there was somewhat of a lack of respect there. You know, if, if I were Azariah and I saw this king that was a magnificent king who would brought prosperity I might not have gone and got 80 guys. Hey, let's get, how about uh, four score people? Let's get them in here and let's get this king out of there. In numbers, their strength. That's kind of disrespectful too. I think maybe I would have gone in there and yielded myself and said, King Uzziah, this is not the way. Can we reason together? Can we gather together with the prophets and see what God would do? But to go in and say, Sacrilege! Get out of there! You're not supposed to be there. We brought 80 guys here. 80 guys are coming to tell you how bad you are. They didn't come, and at their words, leprosy came. They didn't come after leprosy rose. They came the leprosy came after the king was wroth by what was happening. I'm not defending Uzziah. I'm just looking to see what in the world went on here. So again, you know, I, I really looked at what other kings had done. And one of the stinkers is Solomon, who offered up three times a year incense to Yahweh. On the altar that he'd built. Solomon had his own problems. Maybe that was the least of them. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, how does this apply to me? Well, we've just talked about something that is difficult to understand in the scripture, and I hope we've shed some light on it. And I do think that it's pertinent to where we are today and where you are. Let's bring it on down. Let's just bring it home. Are you functioning in the authority God has given you? Are you seeking God in prayer the way you're supposed to, really for the purposes of partnering with God to see his kingdom go forward? Are you doing that? Are you gleaning from God insights that he would share with you from his word, interpretation? And are you aware of what God has revealed in that way? Or is it just something in your basket that you've collected with 50 other words from other camps? Are you really walking as a prophet, priest, and king in this nation of saints that God has established you in? Or are you just kind of hanging around because, well, you know, I really don't want to be here, uh, but I'm stuck. (laughs) Prophet, priest, king. We need all three. I do think that it aligns with apostle, prophet, nematokos. I do think it aligns. It it aligns with Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. We've often talked in the New Testament about apostles and prophets going forth, and you know Antioch sends them out. We do see that in Scripture. But what, what provides for that? In the fivefold, remember what we've taught from the Scripture. You had teachers and pastors and evangelists who were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Well, dear one, that's the priestly ministry. I mean the lines are blurred a little bit. Sometimes it's really this that's offering. Sometimes it's this that's offering. But I I dare say that kingly ministry is apostolic. Prophetic is what it is. Where's the priest? It's people who are praying, serving the way that God has ordained them, following the leading of the Lord, be willing to go and to do exploits when God says go, or to stay and hold the ground when God says stay. True evangelist is going to know how to do both. And is it those teachers that preserve the pneumaticus understandings not as some old dead sepulcher of belief. Well, it's the way we've always done it, which is the last words of any business. What has God said? Prophet, priest, and king. We need it all. Uzziah, I really have to believe Yeah, his heart was lifted up. You can't remove that. But in Uzziah's defense, he wasn't worshiping demons. In Uzziah's defense, he wasn't killing people for his own personal gain. In Uzziah's defense, he he wasn't um, slaying prophets or eliminating other people. he was empowering people. And, and, and obviously the temple was doing pretty well if you've got a high priest and you've got 80 valiant leaders, they weren't they weren't in deficit mode. Um, the nations respected this guy and so in defense, He must have been doing something right. And you you must be doing something right if you have a prophet like Isaiah who's grieving for you. And Amos, who right at the beginning of his book states, I served during Uzziah's day. And he doesn't say anything bad about Uzziah. So you must be doing something right. But you can do everything right And mess up, you know? Moses. I think Uzziah was on the verge of great breakthrough. I think his I think his motive was right. What about Moses? Here he is, he served God, friend of God, not in dark speeches. We know that. And he he comes, God tells him at the right hand, you go and you speak to this rock. And he gets up there and he whacks the rock and he tells the people off. Here's your water. And God says, you're not going into the promised land. One mistake. Uzziah, one mistake. And there are others. What, what, is God vindictive or is this showing us that when you're on the verge of amazing breakthrough? And God is giving you enhanced authority beyond what you've known, no matter how great that's been in representing the kingdom. And God is giving you viewpoints of what he wants to do that are beyond what you've known. Certainly for Moses, prophesying into a rock, that was a biggie. For so many reasons, it was an advancement of what he'd known. Does that mean God's a meanie? Or does that mean to whom much is given, much is required? So, I don't know. I think I think our answer for this is to go before the Lord and say, I don't want to miss you, God. So let's all do that. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you. And um, read through that 26th chapter in Chronicles, and I think it'll, it'll speak. God bless. Goodbye.